For thousands of years, the Greater Toronto Area has been the traditional land of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas of the Credit River. It is part of the Dish with One Spoon territory, a treaty between the Anishinaabe, Mississaugas, and the Haudenosaunee that committed them together to share the Tory ter territory and protect the land. Other indigenous peoples and nations have subsequently entered this territory in the spirit of peace, friendship, and respect. It is on these lands and in this spirit that Tyndale seeks to engage in its work. This land acknowledgement is written by and used with the permission of Dr. Terry LeBlanc, director of NATES, an indigenous learning community, and he's also the indigenous elder of the Tyndale B.Ed. program. Take someone with you. I'm Reverend Jacob Birch. Acts 11, 22 to 26. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. My brother and I lived in seven different homes growing up. Our father was an automotive parts engineer who either found new jobs or lost old ones. Those transitions necessitated what seemed to us like a lot of moves during our childhood. Our first house in Chatham, I've lived there three times, was at 110 LaCroix Street. It was a big red brick, two-story, century home that my parents were proud to own, but never bought an old home again in all their moves. Chatham was an agricultural and automotive manufacturing hub in southwestern Ontario that was bisected by rail lines running between the Toronto-Hamilton area and Detroit, Michigan. In 1980, for example, Detroit produced 2.1 million cars that year. One in three cars in the States were built in Detroit at that time. 110 LaCroix Street was three doors up from one of those busy rail lines. No matter what time of day or night, you could expect the wigwags to come down, the lights and bells would start oscillating, and everything would stop all over the city. The problem for my brother and I was that the convenience store lay on the other side of those tracks, within observable distance of our home, but at the outer limits of the known universe to he and I. Whenever I wanted to go to the store and was allowed to, I would bound out of the front door and almost be down the broad green wooden steps when I'd hear my mother say, take your brother with you. I'd have to stop and sure enough, she'd emerge holding my little brother Ricky's hand, giving it to me and saying, take your brother with you. My mother had done the calculus. She thought I'd be more responsible, I'd be safer around the dangerous tracks, I'd, quote, learn responsibility, unquote, if I was entrusted with the care of a human child, in this case, my little brother. So we'd walk past the three houses between ours and the tracks, we'd stop, look both ways, listen, like every child in Chatham was taught in railway safety lessons put on by Elmer the Safety Elephant. And never unclasping our hands, we'd gingerly venture across the uneven tracks, past the small park in front of the water tower, and bound into the convenience store to purchase our wares. All the while, of course, and even though we had each other, what was our mother doing? Well, I'll, I'll come back to that at the end. Stay tuned. 
take someone, my brother in this case, with you. It was good advice living so close to the tracks in Chatham, and it's great advice for those of us attending Tyndale. That's right, I'm not just a Tyndale alumni, OBC class of 93, and not just a Tyndale client, correct? I help hire Tyndale grads for our denomination. I'm also a student. This summer, I'm taking biblical interpretation with Dr. Bill Webb. So I speak to you today with some hermeneutical trepidation. But I think I'm on solid interpretive ground to say that the root idea of biblical leadership development seen in Acts 11 here today and all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is summed up in this four-word phrase, take someone with you. In Acts 11, Barnabas is sent from head office in Jerusalem out to Antioch to investigate, assess, encourage, correct, and enhance, if possible, what he sees God doing there. And sure enough, God is doing a lot. And we could talk about many things from Acts 11, but I want us to focus today on verses 25 and 26. Quote, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch, unquote. What was Barnabas doing? He had been sent alone, and after making initial inquiries, he quickly took someone with him. The apostles had entrusted Joseph from Cyprus, Barnabas, uh, to go himself. But Barnabas knew that the work of God in Antioch needed him to take someone with him. Who was that someone? Saul of Tarsus. Barnabas seems to have gone to get Saul not only for the work's sake, but for Saul's sake as well. Saul had been sent packing from Judea under the first of many death threats back to Tarsus at the end of Acts 9, where he'd uh, been on the shelf ever since. He'd been on the shelf. Maybe even he'd gone back to tent making like the Judean apostles had gone back to fishing after the uh, after the crucifixion, until Barnabas, who had defended him in Acts 9, to the apostles, now deploys Saul into ministry in Antioch in Acts 11. There are lots of reasons to take someone with you as a leader in the Bible, for their sake, for the work's sake. In Genesis, we see this pattern start. Prior to the fall, we find only one thing was, quote, not good, unquote, in all that God had created. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God created Eve so they could take someone with each other. Perhaps in Genesis 2, they were to take someone with each other for the sake of accountability, to resist the serpent's temptation together in Genesis 3. But alas, God's take someone with you strategy failed as Adam is noticeably absent from the dialogue between Eve and the serpent. Sadly, we learn that take someone with you isn't foolproof. Take someone with you for their sake, for the work's sake, for accountability's sake. We see sometimes we should take someone with you for your own sake in Exodus 4. Moses and God have been dialoguing about Moses' call to ministry. After addressing each of his objections, God hears Moses say in verse 13 of Exodus 4, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please take someone else. Then God's anger, we're told, burns against Moses. And we read in verses 14 and 15 of Exodus 4, 
What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do." Unquote. The text tells us God's anger burned against Moses. And the divine solution here is not to strike Moses dead and begin again with Aaron. It's not to scrap the Exodus plan and go with some scale-back version of indentured servitude. No, it's not even to give Moses the gift of eloquent persuasiveness on his own. God sends Moses his brother Aaron and helps both of them learn to communicate together. God's solution is to take someone with you, Moses, for your sake. So I don't strike you down. I mean, so that you can fulfill this calling I've put on your life. Take someone with you is throughout the Old Testament. For example, David is at his best with Jonathan, his friend, in the early chapters of 1 Samuel, and at his best as well with Joab, his general, throughout his victories in 2 Samuel. But when's David at his worst? When he's on the roof alone, at that time when kings go off to war in 2 Samuel 11. Instead of watching over his army, David is watching a neighbor's wife bathe. Take someone with you for the neighborhood's sake. Uh, I found that take someone with you works for my dogs. We had a 20-pound pug that perpetually weighed 23, 24 pounds named Eddie. We still have him. He's now almost six years old. And every time we used to take Eddie to the vet, they'd ask the same things. What are you feeding him? Is Eddie getting enough exercise? And then they'd tell us, Eddie needs to lose weight. Well, dogs are pack animals. They're born in litters, raised in complicated, lifelong social environments. There's actually lots of uh, social biological research about the similarities between fam wolf family structure and human, uh, early human family structures. It highlights our development, wolves and humans, and reliance on each other in the distant past as almost a companion species. It is theorized humans and wolves hunted mammals larger than our, hunted together mammals larger than either one of us could bring down alone, and that that generated enough calories for us all. Wolf families stayed close to human families, hunting and growing together, both benefited. We needed to take someone with us for survival's sake. Well, to fix Eddie's weight problem, he didn't need more exercise or less food. He, what he needed was a pack. He needed Kevin, our six-month-old black pug we added to our family last fall. And thanks to Kevin's playing with Eddie, thanks to Kevin's walking with Eddie, thanks to Kevin's wrestling with Eddie, hanging out with Eddie, his energetic love for Eddie, Eddie is now back to his felt 20-pound self again. Take someone with you. If anyone didn't need to take someone with you, it'd be Jesus, right? Surely the Son of God didn't need to take someone with him. And yet we know all about him selecting the twelve and focusing on the three, while attracting seventy-plus others, including receiving the support and discipleship of many different female disciples. He taught the three, the twelve, and the seventy. He trained the three, the twelve, and the seventy. He corrected the three, the twelve, and the seventy. He encouraged the three, the twelve, and the seventy. He sent the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 so that they would always take Him with them. Jesus took lots of people with Him for the sake of the mission. Yet look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive press. 
And on the night Jesus was being pressed in a way no human before or since has ever been pressured. On the night he withdrew from his disciples and sweat drops of blood and prayed, Mark 14, 36, Abba, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. On that night, it's clear Jesus needed to have someone with him. He asks his disciples to watch and pray, and yet he only ever found them sleeping. If Jesus needed to take someone with him, how much more do you and I need to take someone with us? And think of the book of Revelation. Seven churches, a lamb, a throne, scrolls, seals, the 144,000. And then we come to Revelation 11, and here, what do we find? We find take someone with you. Because God in Revelation 11 doesn't appoint just one witness to, quote, shut up the heavens so that it will not rain until the time they are prophesying, and to have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want, unquote. No, it's not one witness appointed in Revelation 11, but two. Revelation 11:3 quote, And they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth, unquote. Take someone with you for warfare's sake. Take someone with you makes sense. Take someone with you is biblical. Take someone with you for your sake, their sake, the sake of the mission, the sake of the warfare. Someone took me with them after I became a Christian at Shane Presbyterian Church in Stony Creek, Ontario. Mark Young, a cardboard box salesman, took me through J.I. Packer's classic book, Knowing God. Each of us here at Tyndale could tell a story, whether we're seeking to become a teacher or we're almost done studying to become a pastor, go into some type of ministry. Maybe we're in a counseling program. Somewhere along the way, no doubt many people took you with them. I've had opportunity throughout my life in ministry to take people with me, with me on this journey of ministry for their sake, certainly for my sake, and absolutely for the sake of the mission. Take someone with you. We recently, out of our district office, produced a series of uh, 43 individual video devotions leading up to May 31st, Pentecost Sunday. Each devotion was accompanied by an, uh, a one-page English PDF that was then translated into four different languages. So it was 43 videos over you know, 200 individual documents. And uh, now if we had been given six months to plan this or even 90 days to pull all this off, the temptation would have been to, for me to just produce it all myself. That's the way to ensure consistent quality, consistent look, consistent outcomes, but we'd actually started to plan to do this uh, with only about 10 days advance notice. And these videos had to start coming out April 22nd at 6.15 a.m. And so I knew I was going to have to, what? Take someone with me. And so one of the first things I did was cast about for people that wanted to be part of a video production team and was de delighted to have a a father and son team from Kentville, Nova Scotia, Paul and Samuel, join up. Paul's a military chaplain and Samuel, his son, is an 11-year-old aspiring filmmaker. And so even as I worked with Paul, Paul was working with his son to produce these five or six-minute devotional videos. 
helping Samuel flex his filmmaking muscles and getting exposed to working with timelines and people and even had a chance to work in different languages. But even more importantly to me, it meant I wasn't up until all hours of every night leading up to Pentecost producing these videos all myself. Take someone with you for sanity's sake. I, I told you earlier that my mother did something funny, funny, strange for a mother that had insisted I take my brother with me every time he went to the convenience store. Uh, she sent us off to the store together, hand in hand, over the tracks, past the park, into the store, all supposedly to keep each other safe. But of course, when we emerged from the store, what did we see? That all the while, even though we had had each other, even though we'd looked both ways, even though we'd shopped together and were already eating the candy on our way back, what had our mother been doing? Well, she'd been standing on the sidewalk out front of our house, watching our every move. She'd never really left us at all. We hadn't been sent together for security reasons or safety reasons or to quote, learn responsibility, unquote, reasons. She just wanted to see us go off on an adventure together as brothers. Acts 11, 25 and 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Take someone with you for adventure's sake. Thank you and God bless.